Hey, this is Ari Shapiro, and you're listening to PS Tape Recorder on the internet. Hello there, I'm PF. This is my tape recorder. Coming up, it's comedian Sean Patton. I can repeatedly on the phone uh, talk about how much I hate Donald Trump every single day. I'm like, how terrible I think. Had a great talk with Sean about other cultures around the world. He's been on four continents in the past year, you know, uh, including our own, but that still counts. We have a song of the week coming up from Juliana Hatfield. You may remember her from Blake Babies and from the Juliana Hatfield 3. Really interesting. I think you're really going to like this. And then we have a dumb bit coming up here, but I want to explain that they're only dumb bits when I do them. When there are other people's stuff, then they're just bits. And this isn't really a bit. Uh, It's a tune. It's a funny tune, and it's from an old friend of mine. I'll explain on the other side of the bumper. So being a bit lazy since it's the holiday season and I'm very busy and uh, I forgot about this song that a friend of mine did. Uh, Rob Irvin used to work with him on the Gary Burbank show and he was the producer and he has a group called Rob Irvin and the High Strung Lifters and they did a Christmas song called Santa Drives a Truck and without any further ado, here is that tune. Santa drives a truck, you should see him snatching gear. 
Christmas and Happy New Year. Sean Patton is a stand-up comedian originally from New Orleans, Louisiana. We had a great chat about uh, the state of comedy in the U.S. and around the world. Here now is our interview with Sean Patton. start with asking what's new because we haven't talked in a while but I have some interesting well not super interesting news but uh, we were in your hometown back in October for my daughter's 21st birthday oh it was to go yeah yeah it was, well uh, the plan was always going to be Las Vegas and then um, I may have mentioned this to you before but we drove back from my brother-in-law's in Texas and my daughter she really wanted to stop in New Orleans she's like sure and she fell in love with it and she goes this is where I want my 21st birthday so oh cool Vegas was canceled, and uh, although we didn't really do all the New Orleansy things, like we were on Bourbon Street for like literally five minutes, <laughs> and that yeah, was yeah, yeah. But uh, but there's so much more to do, so, so folks should know. And you know the whole uh, we stayed over in the Garden District, which is beautiful. Oh yeah, that's that's, 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 that's it. It is beautiful, and there is also um, like the it's not everybody now goes to like the Marinier of Bywater. Yeah, very. There's a little coffee shop, literally right on the next block from where we were staying, and um, the house we were staying in possibly haunted. We, <laughs> we weren't sure, and uh, well, and I was a little skeptical, but then uh, we had we rented a van to drive down from Cincinnati, and my uh, I left the keys in the kitchen, and then I uh, my wife brought them upstairs and was mad at me. She goes, "You left the car keys down in the kitchen." I'm like, well, "Who cares? It's just us and your family. No one's going to steal the van." So she gets up the next morning and goes, why is the van door open? And I'm like, I don't know. And they look out, sure enough. And you have to click that thing twice to get that van door to open. It isn't like she could have done it by accident coming up the stairs. So that's a little spooky. <laughs> yeah. Um, it is. That is. That is. But it's like, I got a little, uh, you talked about it, yeah. Um, so it, did you ever experience anything like that living in New Orleans? It's supposed to be a very haunted city. I know you're from just outside. You're like, you're like from one of the suburbs, right? I'm from like the. I, I mean, I'm originally from from the city, but oh, okay. my parents moved. My, my parents moved us to the yeah, to the like the the shithole oh, okay. suburb uh, north of the lake. But you know, I, I all my family and I lived there myself. Excuse me. I lived uh, in the city myself for years, and that's the thing. They, 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 everyone talks about how haunted it is, and. Yeah,
at night, you know, reading a book or something, and you're like, hey, and they turn around and no one's there. It's like, oh, dude, that would, I would jump out the window. <laughs> right. Like, or hear like a, hello, help me. Or like a, someone say a name like Margaret. And it's like, fuck that. And then every time they hear the name Margaret, from there on out, it just reminds them of it. So, yeah, it's, I've heard some creepy stuff. I produce a, another podcast for um for uh, the place I work, my full time job, Cincy Shirts. Which I don't know if you know Josh Need or not, comedian Josh Need. Josh. Yeah. Yeah, I know Josh. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I work for his t shirt company, The Healings, with this other guy, and we have a podcast. And one of our guests was a guy that runs tours of Cincinnati of haunted places. And I ended up, I took, I had to, <clears throat> I took a half day to go down to New Orleans, so I didn't use all my vacation, so I had to work for part of the day while we were there. And I ended up editing that episode in the house we were staying in, which was supposedly haunted. And uh, anyway, the dude was saying, the big thing now is to take recording devices and you don't hear anything, but when you play the stuff back later, you can hear voices on these things. And that's that's the big that's the big ghost hunting thing now. Yeah, so next time you're in New Orleans, a visiting family, <laughs> maybe have a go. Yeah. Um, so, so what is new with you then, I guess? Because it's been probably about a little over a year since we uh, last spoke. What's, what's been, what have you been up to? Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, Hengdu and Hangzhou, and then also went down to Singapore, and then went up to Malaysia to Kuala Lumpur. So that was interesting, uh, getting to see Asia for the first time and getting to perform for mainly, mainly expats and a lot of English-speaking foreigners. I was going to ask, yeah. It was just interesting culturally to see the differences in how, like, it, that was the first time I truly felt 
you know, if you go to Europe or, or something like that, or, or like England, you know, specifically, you know, within a day, you're like, oh, no, I, I understand everything. Right. But in Asia, it's just like, oh, no, this is, I don't know that I'll get used to this at all. <laughs> uh, and you, you don't. <laughs> you just kind of roll with it. But, it's, but the, it still makes it more interesting to do it, uh, with Australia, I know Jimmy Dore always used to say that the Australians are the only ones that still like us in the world, the, the, the only ones left that still like us, which might be a bit of an exaggeration, but, um, uh, you know, the thing is, uh, uh, the thing we notice about Australia, weirdly, my wife and I have been watching the Australian version of Survivor, and uh, see if this makes sense to you, they just are so nice to each other, they compete hard. But when one of them gets voted out, they don't get upset with each other. They all hug each other, like, oh, great job, good game, well played, and all that stuff. And you know, they, they get annoyed with each other a little bit, like on the American one, but still, it's so different. And, and you could say, well, that's just the way they edited it. But the fact that they edited it that way for Australian audiences shows that Australians don't want to be dicks. <laughs> and it's, it... Yeah, well, yeah, and also, like, everyone's always talking about, like, oh, China's going to rule the world. I think, I think it might be Australia. I think they're just waiting for it. seem that way and it seems like people kind of sometimes forget about them and then they, they turn up in these odd situations and like oh yeah the Australians we forgot about them yeah exactly I mean it almost feels like they kind of they're totally fine with being like I, I, I forget about us we'll, we'll just be down here doing our own thing yeah. and uh, yeah if you want you know and it, it's great that's, that's, what, that's what I do like about it is that it's, own, it's its own little self-sustaining Get a chance to make it over to New Zealand at all? I didn't, but you know, one day. That's yeah, right. yeah, that's uh, that's that's another uh, nice place. So in in China, did you did you feel like I know you said it felt different and, and foreign the whole time? But did you kind of feel like there was any kind of like I don't know censorship or things like that, or you were just maybe weren't quite as as free as you were say in Western Europe or Australia or oh, the hundred percent okay hundred percent like I don't. That was the thing I liked the least about being over there is that, like, you know, whenever you're here and you're talking to your friend who, you know, who reads a lot of, you know, uh, blacklisted websites or, you know, goes down a lot of rabbit holes and wants to talk about how America is losing freedom of speech, say to them, go spend a week in China where they actually don't have freedom of speech. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, we're, we're not losing shit. Like, we're, you know, I can... I can I can I can repeatedly on the phone uh, talk about how much I hate Donald Trump every single day. How much how terrible I think the, the job he's doing is, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm not, I do not fear suddenly being detained. Which in China, you can't talk about President keeping You can't. You you will be. It's troublesome to do that. You know what I mean? And like. 
they tell you to go on stage, do not talk about it. It's a three key. Uh, Taiwan, Tibet, and Tiananmen Square. Cannot talk about those things on stage. And not really even so much in conversation. And it's not, it's not that China's wired and like there's listening devices everywhere, even though they will tell you there are, like pretty much any public place has, you know, well, they all have CCTV cameras everywhere. Um, and they do have actual, you know, they are recordings in some places. Um, it's like other Chinese people, like James Digger or White Person uh. or anyone for that matter, talking shit on China. They can call, there's a hotline, a hotline they can call and report it. So it's like a very, you know, nationalist sort of, you know, don't, don't, don't think too independently. And it's, or you could get in trouble for doing that and, and, and localizing it. And it's, it's weird. It's a very like, you're, you know, walk, like I was in the club I was supposed to do in Shanghai got shut down by the government. Not because of me specifically, but because of the concept of improvisation is not, it's not allowed in, in performance because the government officials, they need to, they need to be able to like proofread or script anything they're going to say on stage so that they know you're not getting up there and talking shit about the government. So comedy, the, uh, they got, um, the possibility of improv is very high. So they shut the club down. Uh, once that was more realized. And that's being there for that. I mean, I didn't see it happen, but I arrived and it was like, oh yeah, we're not doing shows here. It was very like, fuck this. Like, this is weird. Like, I'm not enjoying myself knowing I'm in a country where any second that could happen. Now, it wasn't that. It was still a lot of fun and a lot of really great people. And, you know, still had a great time. And Shanghai is an amazingly beautiful city. And it is kind of like their China's New York and L.A. combined, both in culture and in size, and in 25 million people. It's crazy. It's huge. Um, yeah, but there's definitely a... And like, you know, bam, you can't... I mean, you can't check Gmail. You can't get on Facebook. You can't Twitter, uh, you know, Instagram, all that. None of that you could access unless you had a VPN. And even with the VPN, they're starting to crack down on those as well. So it's like, there really are, there really is like a, they're becoming more and more insular. I've in always thought, yeah, I've always thought that weird that, um, you know, the, with the, the, the Cuba embargo. And and believe me, you know, people like Oliver Stone go in there and being chummy with, with Fidel, you know, not a good thing because, I mean, he jails artists and people like that. So I don't know how Oliver Stone is is doing that. But on the other hand, we're doing all this business with China, and yet we have a problem with Cuba? Really? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, do, do, you find, do you find the opposite? Like, you know, you maybe, like, making fun of uh, American or American culture, did that, did that kill necessarily, or was it, you know, just... Sure, yeah, of course. I mean, especially in a lot of the, a lot of the audiences, like I said, were expats. So you're dealing with a lot of people who are over there, you know, Teaching English because that's the other thing. They're like, you know, they're they're all hell bent on learning English from like early age, so they can com- so they can communicate. And I mean, like they're just they're they're doing a lot. There's a lot that they do right there. You know, like they definitely they put a big emphasis on education, 
a big emphasis on like you know uh, self sustaining and not not like independent. You know, you gotta, they want you to be part of the team, but they want you to be like a a, a part that can operate by itself. You know, in the name of the machine kind of thing. Um, so yeah, they, the big they also yeah they 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 they, they do. They do have a limited amount of access to American culture, so like they, to them, a lot of times you're telling them something that's going on, and it's like news, you know. But I mean, I'm, I'm not really a topical guy, so I was more just like, you know, I talk a lot more about just like human experiences, and kind of wow, what a world! The shows were actually all amazing. The shows, every show I got to do, Beijing was one of my favorite shows I've done. Hong Kong, Hong Kong was great. I'd go back to Hong Kong right now. It was, it was an ex- exceptionally beautiful city, and the people are just very cool. And like, you know, they're not like I said, they're not part of China. You're not until 2037, and they're like a treaty they signed. Yeah. But it felt a little more free and open there. It was, it was really cool. I mean, and I, I, I don't want to like just I don't want to say it felt like I was in prison the whole time. I certainly wasn't that way. It was. Like the food was amazing, and there was a lot of beautiful cultural things to see, and the people overall were very, very, very friendly. It was just weird being in a country where the government does intervene in the arts and things like that, you know, in the name of, don't say anything mean about us, don't no criticize it. Um, but yeah, overall, every, every audience member was very, like there was no heckling, there was no you know, shitty audience numbers. They were all very in tune to it. They they were very... They, they, and, and the comics I met over there were also very funny. And a lot of them, um, English, you know, English is their second language, and they're still really funny in that. So that was really cool to see as well. And did it change your, like, approach to comedy at all, like when you came back to the States and were starting to think of new material or it you know it was just still you know back to you know your sort of American mindset for you know looking at your experiences and things like that I feel like I don't know I feel like the way I think about material and things like that my own style I don't know if it's American per se like I feel like I'm you know the thing that different I mean I think it's different about me which is this is also helpful but also hurtful is that like I try and stay away from any topic that I know another comedian's going to go after which is a lot because yeah. I just feel like there's so many comedians out there and there's so many but, but there's only so many versions of one mindset I'm interested in hearing anyway but it, 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 so I always kind of look for my material that comes through experiences and in places where maybe other people aren't looking so I feel sort of like I go over pretty well overseas just because I'm digging through the human experience, not so much the American experience. That makes sense. Oh yeah, no, totally. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, yeah, you're relatable. Well, great, man. Uh, glad we got to take the time today to, to get this knocked out and um, have fun up there in Minneapolis. And I know you were in Cincinnati uh, just a while back, and I think I probably recycled the previous Minneapolis uh, interview for the Cincinnati paper. So. Uh, sure, sure. I'll be there again in January. Yeah. Oh, perfect. February, so. There you go. That'll that'll yeah. save me some work. Uh, come then too. Great. <laughs> well, terrific, man. Well, uh, good luck the the rest of the way there, and uh, have fun in Minneapolis. Have fun when you get here to Cincinnati, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you, buddy. Yeah, thanks, Sean. Bye.
Thanks again to Sean Patton for being on the show. You can catch Sean December 4th through the 8th in Minneapolis at Acme. And then he's in Springfield, Missouri at the Blue Room December 14th and 15th. For all other Sean Patton information, go to meshawnpatton.com. And uh, Sean is spelled S-E-A-N, uh, as Jimmy Pardo would say, the way you're supposed to spell it. But um, I do have a friend that spells it the other way, though. But it's fine. Either way, it's good. So the usual plugs, uh, check Jack Hayes' blog, Nearly Liza YouTube channel. Make sure you check those out. And we're going to get to the song of the week now. Here, This one just kind of fell out on my Facebook feed. Speaking of, uh, you know, we had the song back uh, in the dumb bit section, which, again, was not a dumb bit, by uh, my old friend Rob Irvin. Another guy I worked with on the Burbank show. I think he was the producer before Rob. Uh, he also uh, is a big fan of music. And he his album of the year, and he's not joking, is, and I didn't even know this existed, is an album by Juliana Hatfield. She from uh, Blake Baby's Juliana Hatfield 3 so on and so on, uh, did an album of Olivia Newton-John songs, and they're really good. And so uh, I'm going to play one. I'm going to play probably my favorite one, the one she did, uh, the one Olivia Newton-John did with Electric Light Orchestra, um, or maybe it's just Jeff Lynne producing, but of course Xanadu, and uh, Juliana Hatfield covers that on her album. So that's going to be our song of the week. How about that? Juliana Hatfield covering Olivia Newton-John's Xanadu, PF's tape recorder, so long, and thanks for listening. A place.